Thanks for checking out this week's podcast from Center Street Church. We pray it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. Good morning to all of you here at Central Campus and also those of you who are watching online. Now last week I neglected to mention that my wife and I were recently blessed with two more granddaughters and since you're our extended family, I just thought I'd introduce them to you. Um, On April 12th, Christabel Rain Shore came into the world and uh, she is the second daughter of our son Michael and his wife Becky. And then on June the 24th, Emma Hope Shore uh, was born and is the fourth child and second daughter of our son Matthew and his wife Arian. We now have six grandchildren and we're loving life. And as you can see, our family is growing uh, from the original six to 16 and the 17th is on the way. So thank you, Lord. You know, as I was reflecting on the fact that I am now a granddad many times over, I was struck once again with just how quickly the years go by. When Gwen and I came to Center Street, I was 27 years of age, and our oldest son, Matt, um, was six months old. He is now married and the father of four. Uh, When you are young, uh, when you're in your teens, your 20s, and your 30s, you think that life will go on forever. But when you hit your 50s, and you lay your parents to rest, and you embrace your children's children, Every once in a while, you are struck with how quickly the years are flying by. In Psalm 90, the psalmist is reflecting on the brevity of life, and he writes this prayer to God. Lord, the length of our days is 70 years, or 80 if we have the strength. Yet they quickly pass, and we fly away. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. The psalmist turns to God and he says, Lord, teach me to number my days because doing so makes me face the fact that one day the numbers are going to run out and death can be a teacher of wisdom. You see, death reminds us that we can only take two things with us to heaven. Our friendship with Jesus and the group of people who've come to follow Jesus through our influence and through our testimony. That's it. Those two things. And if we truly believe this, it will dramatically change the way we live and invest our lives. A while back, I saw an illustration on YouTube by Francis Chan that really puts this in perspective for us. I have here in my hand a rope, and I want you to pretend that this rope goes on forever. I mean, it goes on a long distance, trust me. Um, But let's say that this rope is the timeline of your existence, which the Bible says goes on forever. Now, you see this red part right here? This represents your time on earth. 
You've got a few short years here on this planet. And then you have forever after. Now here's the thing. It's pretty obvious that our time after this life is a whole lot longer than the time that we spend on the planet. In fact, in relation to eternity, this red part is only a fraction of a heartbeat or a nanosecond. And yet, isn't it true that most people are totally consumed with this little red part? Isn't it true that this is pretty much all they think about? You ask the average person in North America today, what are you passionate about? What are you giving your life to? And, and many will say, if they're honest, oh, I'm working real hard and I'm saving and saving so that one day I can really enjoy this part right here. <laughs> After I retire. I mean, I can't wait for that day, boy. Am I going to live it up right, right here, that little part right there? <laughs> and, and I find myself going, seriously? I mean, what about the rest of your existence. Are you thinking about that at all? You know, in his Sermon on the Mount, which we've been studying together, Jesus is not saying that it's wrong to enjoy this part. He's not saying that it's wrong to enjoy the things of this life. He says it's dangerous because we might sell out to something that doesn't last. This little red part of your existence will soon come to an end. And in God's economy, all the treasures and the trophies that, that you've accumulated for yourself to make you feel important, valuable, and happy, and to receive the accolades of other people, friends, all of that's going to die with you. And that's why in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus pleads with us to seek first, foremost, the kingdom of God. Because his kingdom is forever. And when you choose not to consume all the time and, and resources that God has given to you on yourself and instead to actually invest it in others and in God's kingdom work, not only will you experience life to the fullest here on this planet, but those kingdom investments won't die with you. No, whatever you invest in Jesus' name will live on forever in the lives of those who have been impacted through you. Now, I'm sure that most of us understand that in principle. We know that we're only passing through this life and that only what's really done in the name of Jesus is going to have any lasting impact. The question is, to what extent are our lives seeking first King Jesus and his kingdom purposes? Now, please understand my heart here. I am not trying to weigh down uh, you folks with yet another burden. I, I'm, I'm not trying to heap more guilt on us because this has to come from our hearts. It has to come out of a love relationship with Jesus. This has to be a want to, not a have to. But I am very concerned that we get real honest with ourselves. 
When you stand before Jesus, what's going to matter to you most in that moment? And here is the follow-up question. Whatever will be most important to you, that moment that you stand before Jesus, is it most important to you now? And if it is, is it showing up in your priorities? Is it showing up in your daily life? Because if it isn't, then I don't know. Like, it would seem to me that's not very important to you then. And I don't want you standing before Jesus one day and realize that you gave your life to the wrong thing. You see, when King David says, teach us to number our days aright, that, there may be, that we may gain a heart of wisdom, he's saying every single day counts. And how we spend each day adds up to the sum total of what our life is going to become. Steve May says, if you examine your life, you will see that your life today is primarily the result of the decisions that you have made over the past many years. If, for example, you're a successful craftsman, let's say, or perhaps a surgeon or an athlete or whatever it is that you focus on, that didn't happen because last week you decided to start putting forth a little effort to be a great craftsman. No, your effectiveness is the result of daily decisions that you have made down through the years. If my doctor says I'm 25 pounds overweight, which he actually did a while back, that extra weight didn't come about because I ate a 25-pound steak a couple of weeks ago at a very low, low moment in my life. No, that was the result of a countless number of poor eating choices over the years. In the same way, if I want to be healthy and if I want to feel better and take care of this temple that God has given to me, then I'm going to have to do more than go to the gym and work out real hard one time. No, I'm going to have to exercise regularly. I'm going to have to get to sleep earlier. I'm going to have to eat a lot more salads and vegetables and fruit and a lot less greasy, salty, sugary, calorie-packed junk food. And I'm going to have to defeat excessive stress in my life by laughing more, by praying more, by praising God more, by resting in God more and taking myself less serious more often. You can figure that one out. The same principle applies to our spiritual life. If you believe, Jesus, that all that's going to matter in the end is having a close friendship with him and doing all you can to pray for, encourage, and challenge others, including your family, to do the same, if that is truly what will matter more to you than anything else when you stand before Jesus, then you and I need to begin taking steps each and every day in that direction. Let me get practical for a moment. In Matthew 28, 18, Jesus said, go and make disciples. The discipleship process begins when God draws your heart to someone, perhaps in your sphere of influence, in your family, to someone who is hurting, perhaps, 
to the homeless. And you begin to pray for them and you begin to get to know them and care for them and serve them and just spend time with them. When you invite them into your small group, perhaps to your alpha group, when you invite them to a service like this, you are making disciples. When you share your story with them and how God changed your life and has given you peace and joy and hope, when you share the good news of Jesus, the gospel with people, you are making disciples. When you invite them to continue to do life with you and your family and those in your sphere of influence, when you study the Bible with them, you, when you support them through the issues that they are facing and you show them however imperfectly what it means to be a fully devoted disciple of Jesus Christ through living simply and through giving and serving generously. You are making disciples. When a woman consistently invests a part of her life in praying for and shepherding and teaching and loving a small group of children in a children's class right here in a weekend service or in some other context, she is involved in making disciples. When a man consistently invests a part of his life in praying for and leading and shepherding a small group of junior or senior high boys, he's involved in making disciples. When parents pray for and introduce their children to Jesus and then help them to become fully devoted followers of Jesus, they are engaged in making disciples. A few weeks ago, we received a call from Ella, our oldest granddaughter, informing us that she had just prayed with her daddy and mommy to invite Jesus into her life. We celebrated with her on the phone. We let her know it was the greatest decision she would ever make. And a, f a few days later, our entire family just gathered around her, laid hands on her, and just prayed for her and blessed her in her new life with Jesus. Now, even though her coming to Christ was the result of the Holy Spirit convicting her of sin and, and her need for a Savior, that day earlier she had not been very kind to her younger brother. We won't go into details, but we all have sinned, and she knew it. But you see, even though it, she recognized she needed a Savior, God also used her parents' decision, daily decision to read and explain the scriptures to her and to her siblings to help her to understand why it is that Jesus came and why it is that Jesus died on the cross and to show her what it means to live for Jesus through acts of service to people in their community and to the poor in the inner city and also at church. God used all of that to bring her to a point of embracing Jesus. Though you see, the discipleship process is not over for Ella or anyone else that comes to faith in Jesus Christ. God calls her parents and her extended family and her teachers and her pastors and many of you who are part of our church to continue to invest in her life and the lives of others like her so that she will grow up in her faith and come to the place where she will do for others what her parents have done for her, and that is to introduce others 
to Jesus, perhaps her own children one day, and help them to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. And you see, it is in this respect that all of us as a church are working together to make disciples, and every role that directly or indirectly contributes to the making of disciples is absolutely vital in the kingdom of God. And so to sum it all up, we've all been called to seek first a relationship with the King of Kings. We've been called to make disciples. And the question is, if that is what will matter most when we stand before Jesus, in what way are we pursuing God and making disciples now? You see, friends, we can say something is important to us until we're blue in the face. If we don't step out in faith and act on what we believe to be right and true, we're just blowing smoke. God wants to use you and me to make a difference in the lives of other people. He has provided you with time and talent and financial resources. He wants you to use, not solely on yourself, but to bless others and other people with that will impact lives for eternity. And my question is, are you responding with obedience to his call? Are you responding to his promptings? Are you walking the talk living, serving, and giving? Or are you just blowing smoke? Let us pray. Lord, teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Remind us often of the day that we will stand before you and what is going to matter most in that moment. And in light of that eternity, Lord, to have the courage to make God-honoring decisions now. And may we do it out of our love for you. For I pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, now for the rest of the service, we're going to hear stories of some of the things that, that, that God's doing among us. Stories of lives that have been transformed by God. And also stories of how people are stepping out in obedience to the, call, uh, to the call of God in their lives and making a real difference in our city, nation, and around the world. In a moment, I'm going to call on Paul Brandt and to talk about how he has sought to live out his faith in the music industry. And just as a bit of an intro, Paul and his wife Liz and their children, Joseph and Lily, they're part of our church, and so most of you already know them pretty well. But I want to remind you that Paul is the most awarded male Canadian country music artist in history. He's a gifted singer, musician, writer, and speaker. And he has used this platform to not only communicate his love for Jesus, but also to make a real difference in fighting poverty and injustice in various parts of the world. Gwen and I have known Paul and Liz for many years, and we've had the privilege of walking with them as they have navigated through the issues and the landmines uh, of their career and also their success. And what I can tell you is that Paul, he walks the talk. Despite his success, he has not divorced his career from his faith. He has been very sensitive to the voice of God. He has sought 
to do what God's called him to do, uh, even if those decisions cost him financially or in the ratings or whatever. Would you welcome Paul um, to the stage? Thanks so much, Paul, for, for joining us today. I'm so honored that you would miss the Canadian Country Music Awards this weekend in Edmonton to be here. Um, we're just really honored by that. I wouldn't miss it. It must be Edmonton, I suppose. You know, <laughs> church or Edmonton, whatever. Anyways, great to have you here. Um, Paul, you've been blessed with a, a very successful career uh, as a country star, and I'm sure it, it hasn't always been easy abiding by your Christian convictions along the way. And you know, many of us struggle uh, with that. There's many people here who struggle with that. How have you tried to live out your faith in Christ in this music industry? You know, um, I, I gave my life to Christ when I was about six years old. And, uh, you know, like little Ella, you know, um, at that moment, it, it means, you know, I think to a young person, um, something something you know, different than, than as you get to know Jesus and as, as different things are thrown at you and you get to know him better. Um, the relationship changes along the way and and you you start to understand how better to live life and to do life alongside him and uh, For me the first time that I was sort of thrown into okay How am I gonna live this out was when I when I got a record deal and I moved to Nashville and all of a sudden when people asked me well, What do you believe I had six cameras in my face and I had to know exactly what I thought and and so I remember it was at the, I think at the peak, at the beginning of my career, we had a, a number one single on the radio and we were selling a million records and, you know, things were going great. Um, I started to have issues with the record company and, and they would literally say to me, you know, it doesn't matter if you agree with, with you know, this song and, and, and the message of it or not. You are an actor, you get in there and sell it. They literally asked me the question, what's more important, your marriage or your career? Hmm. What's more important, what you believe or your career? Wow. And I'm kind of glad they asked me the question because I had to decide. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I remember, um, you know, being in that position. It wasn't long after we started having those, those issues and those difficulties that God started to show me how he wanted to use this platform. And I, I really started to understand more because of what he was showing me that this was his career. It wasn't my career. He had put me in this place for a purpose and for a reason. And he wanted to use this career to point to him, not to point to me. Mm-hmm. And, and so I... I, I I remember, you know, I remember there was this moment where um, I was asked by a Christian organization, a humanitarian aid organization, to go over to Africa and to help them as a spokesperson, um, to tell stories and bring stories back to North America um, about the need that was there and to further God's kingdom in that way. And we were in an area in Malawi in southeastern Africa where there was famine and the AIDS epidemic was at its worst at that time. And um, I remember clearly, you know, the, the, the couple stories that happened over there that have helped me to understand what this platform is about and how God wants to use it. Um, the first one, we were in an area where there were children, some six, eight years old, that were caring for infants. Their parents had already died, and those children had AIDS. They were literally eating dirt to fill their stomachs. They had nobody. And we would come across families that all ravaged by AIDS. They were living in these little shanties, these tiny little stick structures with rags over top, and they had no hope. And I remember meeting one family where they couldn't even look you in the eye. They had no dignity left. Mm. And, and, and I, we chatted with them and talked to them and tried to encourage them and moved to the next hut, just a, little, you know, a couple steps over, 
And this time, these people, same situation. But what was interesting is they had, had no um, possessions. They didn't even have food. But these people in the next hut greeted me with a song. They had smiles on their faces. And I asked the guy, I said, what's different? What's going on? And he said, he said, you know, I've given my life to Jesus. Hmm. He said, I know that this isn't what this life is about. Yeah. And I've got hope for the future. Hmm. And man, that hit me. Stripped of everything in life, the only thing he had to cling on to was his relationship in Jesus, and that was enough. Hmm. And, and I remember going to do a radio program after that. Um, in, it was called Radio Free Malawi, broadcast to the entire country. And uh, the, the interviewer asked me, she said, well, you're here with a Christian organization, right? And, and I said, yeah, and I explained what we were doing. And she said, but I thought you said you were a country singer. And, and, and she couldn't, I thought what she was saying is you can't be a Christian and sing secular music. So I asked her about it after the interview. She said, no, 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 no. She said, the reason I asked you that is because here in Malawi, there are certain uh, religious groups that have come into this area recently um, that have made it so that if you say that you're a Christian, you're potentially giving up your family. You're potentially giving up your career. You're potentially giving up your life. So if you say you're a Christian, that's what you do. So when you said you were a country singer and a Christian, I didn't know how you could do both. Hmm. And man, that focused me and helped me to understand that, you know, regardless of what your career is and what you do, if you've given your life to Jesus, your job is to further his kingdom. Right on. Um, Thank you. All right. <laughs> I, think, I think he's a country fan. It must be, yeah. Sure. Yeah. More recently, you recorded the Just As I Am album, and, uh, and then you, you toured across Canada. Um, talk a little bit about why, uh, what led you to do that album, and also what led you to do the Just As I Am tour, knowing that this most likely was not necessarily going to help your career. Um, yeah, you know, I, the, the album for me was really important to do for a number of reasons. One of them was, these are the songs that I grew up on, these old hymns, um, and, and the depth in those songs is amazing. It's mm -hmm. incredible. Um, and just, just from a, a, um, a poetic standpoint, when you read those words, they're beautiful, and I wanted to pass those on to another generation. Liz called me at the barn where I do a lot of my work. I have my studio out there, and she said, I thought you might want to know Joseph, our five-year-old, he's singing How Great Thou Art Right Now. Wow. And that was such an awesome yeah, feeling to me you know great. but um, to, to be able to use those songs to reach an audience that might not otherwise um, have a chance to hear them mm -hmm. um, that was important to me using this platform in secular music to maybe bring people into a church who'd never come to into church before and hear the message that has given me such hope mm -hmm. but also to encourage um, my Christian brothers and sisters um, to be bold about their faith you know when 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 we step out you're always going to look behind you and you're going to see a bunch of other people who are watching you and that emboldens them and it gives them the courage to do the same thing. And I wanted this tour to do that. I remember there was, um, there was a show that we did, not a part of this tour, but it was a few years back in Lindsay, Ontario. Maybe 1,500 people in the audience and I'm in the middle of the, the show and this lady comes walking right down the aisle and she stops the entire show. And uh, she said... You know, she said, hang on a second. She said, my son, she's carrying her little boy, he's six years old probably, and he didn't look well. She said, he's been sick since he was born. And we came tonight to hear Convoy, and you haven't played it yet. <laughs> so she said, I'd really like it if you'd play it because I've got to take him to the hospital right now. He's not doing well. And so, you know, in that moment, I don't always get this feeling, but if you listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you, he'll guide you and give you the words and direct you. And I felt like he was saying to me, you need to pray for that little boy. 
And so, you know, I said, I'd love to, you know, sing that song for you right now, but I want to pray for this little guy really quick, if that's okay. And it was funny, I look in the audience, and you see all these cowboy hats coming off, and no one really knew what to do, you know, and, and uh, just prayed a really simple prayer, you know, really quick, Jesus, you know, you know what's going on with this little boy and his mom, please make him better. Thank you for the time we're having here together, in your name, amen. And we went, broke into convoy, breaker one nine, you know, and, and, and I... I always wondered, you know, I always wondered what God was doing with that moment. And it was about three or four years later, we were back in the same town playing at that same venue. And there was a group of four people, uh, actually four couples that uh, were in the meet and greet after. And they said, hey, can we talk to you for a minute after? And uh, usually that's someone wanting to pitch me a song. That's Mm -hmm. not what this was about. Um, They said, we were there the night that you stopped the concert and prayed for that little boy. And that same week... All of us, you know, these couples, we'd started a small group, and the discussion we were having that week was how to use our careers to be able to impact people for the kingdom. Hmm. And, and you doing that changed everything for us because we saw it in action. And, and it's changed everything in our careers, the way that we've lived our lives since then. That was such an encouragement to me um, to be able to see God pull back the curtains of heaven a little bit and go, see, when you're obedient, I can do all this other stuff that you know nothing about. Mm-hmm. And he does that kind of stuff all the time. So that was a pretty, pretty exciting moment to be able to see how God was using those little steps of faith. Right. Um. Well, before we wrap up, is there anything that you'd like to say to the people of Center Street? Well, you know, I just want to thank all of you. You know, even if you're not a country fan, you've been instrumental in my career. You've supported and prayed for us. You know, Henry and Gwen, you guys have been just mainstays in our lives and, and been there to help us to answer the tough questions. And we really love you guys. We really appreciate it a lot. And I, um, I want to let you know that this, this um, project, the gospel album, is not finished yet. We've done the tour, put the album out. We have a documentary that will be airing on country music television this October 25th and 27th. I hope you'll tune in, but maybe tell a neighbor, a non-Christian friend about it so that they get a chance to see it. Um, it's a great opportunity to be able to share the gospel with somebody, so I hope you'll check that out. And just remember that God has a plan for you. Just because you don't have a spotlight shining on you and you're not up on a stage, the Bible says that he's created us in him to, to shine like stars in the universe. And he wants us to use the gifts and abilities he's given us to point back to him. And um, when we do that, he blesses us and takes us on journeys that are way better than anything we could dream up. Amen. Well um, said. Well said. Bless you guys. Thank you, Henry. Yeah, God bless uh, I love you. you. Yeah, I love you too. Take care. Thanks for listening. We hope this message has impacted you. We'd like to challenge you to take it one step further and get connected. For any questions or prayer, please visit our website at cschurch.ca. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter.